This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson, and with me, as always, my good friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Steiskel. How's it going tonight, guys? Smashing. I am, I'm thirsty, fellas, and I mean that in two different ways. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if there's something that do- we can do about that. <laughs> well, have a drink, first of all. Yeah. Maybe a brisk iced tea. Uh, oh, just a... Just a splash, something in the shape of water, maybe? Who knows? Don't yeah. drink seawater. Oh. Fish do all their business in it. <laughs> all their business. And sometimes Doug Jones does, too. <laughs> <laughs> if it works for Doug Jones, it works for me. So, yeah, we, um, gosh, you know, we when we were picking the, the movies that we're going to talk about tonight and for next week as well, you know, we... We mentioned how this past 12 months, we've, I think maybe longer than that, but um, this is like the, the these are going to be the third and fourth movies of like this kind of concept that we've discussed, you know? Yeah. I would say this is more of the G end. It is. Ish. 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 PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're revisiting... Since we already covered, like, our, you know, we ironically called it Nature Gone Wild, because nature's not wild, apparently. And now we're <laughs> going into uh, the first of our February series, right, on... Uh, nature kind of, Gets Funky. Uh, yeah, it's a segue <laughs> yeah. into romance. Yeah, in, but, in but celebration of Valentine's Day. We're, we're keeping the animal theme, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one particular sea, clade, if, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> And that That's is right. well, more and fish romance. We kind of got back to attempting to kind of pair movies a little bit, you know, like food and food and a good wine or beer or whatever, and uh, finding two movies that kind of complement one another. Uh, we've been what doing the, that with mixed success, I think. Um, yeah. But, but in we asked ourselves, what goes good with fish sticks? Yes. Mm. <laughs> so, thanks well, for that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There go all <laughs> totally derailed the train. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and originally, our, our pairing was to be we were just going to do awkward or not awkward necessarily, but unconventional romance movies. Yeah. And uh, Ryan brought to light one that would pair even better with uh, tonight's movie. And obviously, we'll get into that a little more as we go on. But um, yeah, so this is the way we're celebrating Valentine's Day. Uh, this year on the Video Junkyard podcast with uh, um, mer people, fish people, romance films, consensual, and, consensual yes. though, yes, because yeah. we consensual. already covered humanoids, You're right? From because the deep. we did cover humanoids from the deep, which is mm-hmm. you know, yeah. certainly. I don't know if there's a whole lot of romance in that film, so well, I would probably argue not. Yeah, I would not, no. not much. So, Rather yeah. subjective, if but any. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so. We, we, we covered that. We covered, uh, what was it, Screamers as, as a pair to that. So there are a couple of, uh, you know, Gilman movies that certainly could act as a segue into tonight's film. Yeah. Which is the 2017 Guillermo del Toro film, The Shape of Water. If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? Clean that lab, you get out. 
this may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human, stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? This creature is intelligent, capable of language, of understanding emotions. When he looks at me, he doesn't know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. The natives in the Amazon worshiped him like a god. Get him out. What are you talking about? No. We need to take it apart, learn how it works. I don't want an intricate, beautiful thing destroyed. We can do nothing. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Alasa. What is she saying? Don't do this. Oh, God, it's not even human. If I told you about her, what would I say? I wonder. And, um, yeah, as I said, directed by and written, um, co-written by Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Um, Good old Guillermo. Yep. Uh, also co-written by Vanessa Taylor from a story by GDT. Um, starring Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, Doug Jones, Octavia Spencer, Michael Stolberg. Um, good. Uh, needless to say, a really great cast. Um, and I believe this is going to be an oddity for us. Uh, this is going to be the first time we've, and maybe the only time we're ever going to cover a Academy Award Best Picture winner on the Video Junkyard podcast. So this one was really not a junkyard film in any way, shape, or form, but it did fit the theme. So we're just going to go with that. But well, I mean, we can we can like, do good movies every once in a while. Yeah, yeah we can. <laughs> I, I think too the fact that this one Best Picture was really surprising. Um, it was, yeah. And I, 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 still... I was blown away in a very positive way, but I was, I was very surprised. Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, years before when District Nine was nominated for an Academy Award, and it was like, whoa, a genre movie, wow. Mm-hmm. And then this one to 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 win it. Um, yeah, Michael Shannon in this one. Uh, oh, I got plenty yeah. to say about wow. Yeah. Well, let's get a quick uh, synopsis because most people probably just know this by reputation of like, you know, the fish fucking movie or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's a little it's got a little more to it than that. But uh, uh, for Master I would Tor- say <laughs> <laughs> for Master Storyteller Guillermo del Toro comes the shape of water and otherworldly fairy tale set against the backdrop of Cold War era America circa 1962 in the hidden high security government laboratory where she works. Lonely Eliza is trapped in a life of isolation. Eliza's life is changed forever when she and co-worker Zelda discover a secret classified experiment. Rounding out the cast are Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, Michael Stolberg, and Doug Jones, which doesn't give us, you know, the meat of it, and that's that the secret, uh, top-secret experiment is a gill man straight in from the Amazon rainforest or somewhere in South America that is uh, captured and is being uh, studied by the U.S. government for potential military use in the Cold War. We also get a nice espionage subplot because the Russians or the Soviets are also after, uh, want, to, want to get their hands on this thing to um, basically like just get it away from the Americans. Yes. Good good old Cold War, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so uh, the it also didn't mention, it said that she was living in isolation, but Eliza, the main character... Um, played by Sally Hawkins, is uh, a mute. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it does it communicates via sign language. But, um, yeah, I think that's what they were referring to on the back of there. It was a kind of an odd way to put that. She's not technically in isolation. She has her friends, uh, the character um, that Richard Jenkins plays. It's her neighbor and obviously a close friend of hers. And Zelda, her co-worker, played by Octavia Spencer, is uh, – so that is a tad misleading. I'm not sure I like that synopsis and probably should have picked a better one. But, anyway. <laughs> well, this, I mean, if you think about the plot of this, it 
could be a very strange sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, yeah, it pretty much could be. It's in fact, Guillermo del Toro um, came up with the idea for this story because it, it, Creature is a favorite film of his, and he said he always kind of wanted to see what would have happened if the romance or the romantic subplot of Creature was, uh, you know, actually realized. like, yeah, realized like you know um, that. <laughs> Pretty yeah. woman should love an unconventional man. Yeah, right, really right. so. <laughs> like, if he's like, <laughs> if he's not a complete dick, this movie, yeah. not. Right. Yeah. yeah, like, there's there's some very sweet, um, kind of childlike aspects of the the humanoid in this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the amphibian, the amphibian man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, he, he played wonderfully there's... by Doug Jones, who yeah. always yeah, I feel like adds a little bit to his his roles, even from underneath all of his makeup. Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, he can he can act through that stuff in an amazing yeah. way, quite gracefully, um, like dance. dance I, I, like. I feel like, and I know I've said this about some a few other actors too, but I feel like Doug Jones in particular is kind of there's so many things he reminds me of Lon Chaney, just in the way that he can completely transform himself you know through makeup mm-hmm. um you know there's a few other actors i think of too like gary oldman and some like that who, who are who are these big character actors but you know since lon chaney was um from the silent era and most of the time doug jones is just you know doing body work acting he's a few movies obviously he has speaking roles but a lot of times it's more visual um there's a parallel there like mm-hmm. you, if you bury this guy under under you know tons of makeup, you'll still be amazed at what what character and creature he'll bring to life. Yeah, yeah. So this is second time giving uh, Gilman a shot because of his uh, performance as Abe Sapien in Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy films as well. So. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Which even and there was something I kind of wondered like about that because and maybe it's just a, an ongoing gag with with del Toro, but um, you know in in the first Hellboy movie, when we're introduced to the character of Abe Sapien, one of the things is, oh, he likes pickled eggs. Or rotting hard-boiled <laughs> eggs. Yeah. And in yeah. this one, he's eating all these hard-boiled eggs. I'm like, okay, dude, you, you have a gill man and an egg thing. Yeah, um, there was definitely a wink to that. And I wondered if that was just a wink to it being Doug Jones and it being a you know, gill man again. So yeah. I think he was just putting a little Hellboy Easter egg, if you'll excuse the pun. Um, yeah, and this could uh, so, this could work yeah. as a Hellboy spinoff, like prequel as well. You could do a lot yeah. with this movie. Yeah. Um, All I'm feeling now is like we we wasted this potential. We wasted this movie on Valentine's Day, and we should have just did it for Easter. Yeah, because he does rise again. He does. There's very uh, much a, a, a there's Jesus yeah, aspect there, of it. Yeah, there is kind of a he weird shoot-in subplot. He heals people and rises from the amp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's essentially it's what it's what Guillermo del Toro does best. He makes very dark fairy tales. Yeah, and this when he's at his best, that's what yeah. he does, and that's usually when I like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His best, yeah. So. Yeah, um, but cast in this one was was great. Sally Hawkins is very very. good. Uh, especially her and Richard Jenkins, the mm-hmm. chemistry they have together as friends is is They're, really, really sweet. And, and here's, like, in hindsight, I, I was so, like, pleasantly surprised when this won the Best Picture Award. I was pleasantly surprised when it got nominated for it. Not that it wasn't an incredible movie, but um, just it's one of those movies, I feel like, in, in even in his filmography, which I, I think he's done quite a few very good movies but this one is almost pitch perfect in every single aspect yeah and the cast is the main thing like there is not a weak link here like there's mm-hmm. not a moment where something falls flat there's not like everything is just like so well done right down to you know even your kind of side characters and such i think this is one of my favorite uh performances from octavia spencer from michael shannon from richard Jenkins. i mean it's mm-hmm. just like everybody in it is just incredible so um Michael Shannon's character is just such a detestable fuck in this movie. Like, I just, he just makes my skin crawl, which that is to his credit. Like, it's a fantastic performance, but. Yeah, um, I guess in real life, he's like, um, like learning about the behind the scenes of uh, Knives Out. Like, he he actually has like some pretty decent comedic chops. And he's he's a pretty warm guy, I guess, from what like some of the cast has said. He's. but he, that's he's just, a Chicago guy and still lives there. Supposedly, if you go, um, 
hangs up at a, hangs out at a place in uh, Old Town every once in a while, still like his old neighborhood bar or whatever. And you could go just like catch him hanging at the bar there sometimes. So, <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. I mean, it, I yeah. think it's because he plays sociopath and psychotic so well. He does well, he it plays so it, well. Yeah, he's on my list of people that if you see walking down the street, you run. Yeah, so well, which is which is which is funny to to think about that he just like hangs out in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, like, he plays it very. Joe's real. gonna walk in and be like, "Well, nope, we're not going yeah. here. Let's go." No, why? Why? What's wrong with the place? Michael Shannon's in there, <laughs> and I have seen him rip off his own fingers. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's in there and he's taking a piss. Oh God! <laughs> he washes his hands first. He washes oh, his hands first. Yeah, uh, does it does twice. It shows weakness. Shows weakness. There's a lot about a man. Um, yeah, that was just such a that that scene. This that's the thing about this film is there. It introduces you to characters in very uncomfortable scenes, like to establish mm-hmm. them. When we first meet uh, Sally Hawkins' character, it's her Eliza. morning routine. Eliza, yeah, uh, you know we we see her morning routine, which one of which is her you know, masturbating in the bathtub. It's a um, race yeah. against the egg timer. It's like a race against yeah. the egg timer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, while the boiled, yeah, while the it's, eggs it's, boiled. it's a, just a really like, Oh, okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It was just like, Oh, it, it, okay. I think it's important in a way that it sets it. I even like wrote this out. Like it's an odd way to introduce this character, but I think it sets a tone that, that there is going to be a sexuality aspect of this yep. film and it gets you kind of comfortable. Well, I don't know if comfortable, but like, it gets you into that like space, like okay, this is a, a an adult fairy tale. Like we're not, we're yes. not, yeah. That it it makes what happens in her narrative and her journey throughout the movie work better. I think. That yeah, we're, it's we're not, instantly in that headspace. Yeah, so. it's not like a, it's not on there just for like a perversion or something. It, I agree. Right. It definitely. It's not really something. an erotic scene at all. It's a, like you said, it's a routine. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's not offensive. Kind of the, it's not like creepy. Um, it's just like okay, I just. You know, that's not something you see a lot in films, so it stands out. Well, um, especially I, with with female characters. Yeah. Well, yeah. she not only that she she's she's a she's a mute character, so she's representing you know a certain demographic, mm-hmm. um, which is a f- recurrent theme in this film. But in particular, that like, you know, uh, probably uh, people don't want to think of them have like pe- people who have different whatever. Uh, having any kind of sexual life whatsoever yeah. which is played throughout the film as well it's just like yeah. even with um one of the more creepier fucking situations oh. uh i forgot the uh, shannon San, michael uh, shannon, uh, yeah. yeah michael shannon as as strickland like yeah. um fetishizing her wow that's a fucking fun word for me to say but it's <laughs> fucking gross it's fucking gross yeah. to watch and like um and but you know and but seeing her interact with the monster and that parallel of just like you know goes back to once again like how somebody could objectify one person but also have like a sincere um authentic romance with another and it's never who you expect uh but that right. all of yeah. that's intentional like like oh, eric yeah. was bringing up before like this movie like everything's like the intentionality is clear and 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 right away like even her friends yeah. like her voice is by people uh one one is gay mm-hmm. and the other mm-hmm. one is black which in the 60s you know like so people right. other people repressed people are her voice it's like right away well and even from the you know the, the sexual aspect right that you were talking mm-hmm. about before you've got a, a, a closeted gay man so he's there's there's a struggle with with yeah out and you know as most people would have to be in the 50s exactly and when you hear about you know and a lot of what zelda is talking about while they're they're cleaning is about her relationship with her husband Mm -hmm. um and so like there's it's it's a very you know sexual and relationship movie it it's right even you know they get into strickland when he goes home and sees his wife it's it's this really weird mechanical just very uncomfortable sex scene to watch mm-hmm. um yeah pretty much all the sex scenes in this movie weird as shit <laughs> very uncomfortable um, the least uncomfortable one is them hooking up is, is with a kill man yeah her it's like a, the, the worst part of it is just like oh my god you were just destroying that bathroom 
Ruth just fell into the rim, but they don't just oh, yeah. ignore it. Like legitly, like what the fuck is going on? I got customers watching movies being leaked yeah. on. The, the old man homeowner in me is like, oh gosh, oh that's terrible. There's gonna be mold and all the, in yep. the walls. Like, right. yep. <laughs> I'm just thinking like they showed how many cracks are already in that fucking building. There's no way it would have even filled past like a foot of water beforehand. Like, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, it. that's it, the most I thought about it. It's it's a strange one. It definitely falls under that, you know, uh, the, the fairy tale aspect. I think one of the things that surprises me though about this movie is how incredibly polarizing it is. Yeah. Yeah. You either uh, you either liked it or you people hated it. It made me so upset. Not the people that saw it and didn't like it. Maybe it wasn't their cup of tea. That's fine. You know, you don't have to like everything that. We don't have to have the same taste. What made me upset was the people that read what was it was about and then refused to watch it. They're like, "Oh, is that the that's the fish fucking movie?" Yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. It's like, "Well, have you seen the movie?" Well, no, I'm not going to watch it. It's like, "Okay, well then, don't <laughs> don't talk fucking about crude, it." Man. Yeah, like if you've seen the movie, I, I highly doubt anyone could watch this movie and be super offended by it after you've seen it. Like it's just that that aspect of it is just not offensive <laughs> there's it's it's not humanoids you know it's like um totally different kind of movie yeah yeah i i didn't understand the hate for it and there's things to criticize about it there's you know some of the pacing and some you know narrative things but um visually it's a beautiful film um yeah. you know the 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 sets the costumes the makeup the music the music is very good the choreography and, and like the blocking is well done. It's a very well made movie. It's so yeah, I think it's, it's a good script too. Like it's, yeah. it accomplishes so much and like yeah. It's uh, I mean it. I think the uncomfortable parts of it are intentional. Are they sometimes a little heavy handed? Like could they have dialed them back? Eh, maybe, but overall nothing it hurts it. It doesn't hurt it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's it nothing hurt wrong with having like a straightforward story, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people linear. like always think, think like, "Oh, it's too simple. It's too straightforward." I'm like this fucking movie has its message on its sleeve, like yeah. the heart on the sleeve situation. Yeah, that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I think people are uncomfortable for what exactly what you were saying earlier, Ryan, is that um, unconventional. I don't even want to say unconventional. People that you don't usually see depicted as sexual in yeah. a movie. Including the Gill Man, <laughs> are are being sexual creatures, which is on their you know, own. Yeah, and but instead I think of that's having somebody for... else like open the door for them, quote unquote, in the growth way. Sorry, yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and I think that's just because people are uncomfortable about thinking about you know human sexuality in that way. Sex is something out of a you know adult adult film as we know them, or like you know porn magazines or whatever where it's all kind of like performed and airbrushed and and this and that and it's very much the male gaze you know uh, the white male white straight male gaze and yeah. um and i think when you when you depict it in a different way people are like oh well, that's weird you know it's like no it's not it's just you know it's just human sexuality and that doesn't what? always look the same like it's <laughs> right you know. what what's weird is like i mean which is shown in strickland's character all around you know, and and uh, Del Toro has mentioned this in his interviews is like he purposely subverted what is traditionally like the straight jaw, like uh, kind of Doc Savage looking like uh, mm -hmm. hero is the the main villain, which is representational of the time period of look, you have this, you know, well to do uh, military um, white man in charge who is unhappy with his perfect life, mm -hmm. who who just wants to enforce what he wants people to do. And it's just like... just He also just, slowly becomes unhinged as he loses his grip on... or his control over everything. Well, yeah. grip, grip is a good word yeah. because in the movie he loses his two fingers, but it shows like they reattach these dead fingers. And he just... he. That's the thing. He he's literally has these poisonous fingers that smell, they ooze, they're black. But he yeah. can't think of the he can't accept the idea of him being like imperfect. Like the mm -hmm. idea of like losing two fingers is too much. Even, like um 
and like that has struggled to hold on to that ideal and that is the whole message of his character throughout this whole movie is it's like and and it does translate to nowadays like people like back in the good old days you know like hold on to a false ideal that never existed and that you have these people who are deemed imperfect by society having enriched loving unique lives like are supported supporting one another and and have empathy for something that is not human but clearly see can feel can think can act you know yeah. like and also acts with empathy i mean he right he, he heals and like yeah like like if he's attacked he attacks but if he's approached uh gently uh he you know expresses care and concern as well like you know like that same curiosity it's mm. just yeah the shape of water <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know. um yeah and i, I th- find like that's one of the interesting things w- one of the many interesting things about the script because this this really does like almost everything it does in my opinion extremely well uh i feel like the the russians and the cold war plot is a little half-baked but it's fun because it let it it, it really sells the setting of the 1950s and kind of gives it a little bit of a paranoid um you know, sense it and add some urgency to the whole thing because they have to yeah. get, you know, the gill man out of there and such. But, um, I certainly think, you know, obviously being based on creature in, uh, Guillermo del Toro's, uh, imagination, uh, it certainly owes a debt to the universal monster films, but I think in spirit, this thing kind of grasps onto all of the major, um, moral arcs kind of that, that are dealt with in, uh, some of the universal monster movies, especially Frankenstein and, yeah. and the creature, um and that is you know the the monster being not the monster in the film the monster is really the human characters or like the sum of the human characters and the monster is a misunderstood victim of you know the human characters and um yeah and i think this one's not ambiguous about it at all like it it never like in the sense of like the karloff frankenstein or even creature from the black lagoon um, you can feel for the monster, but they're still very, very alien. This this one takes that extra step, and maybe it's because it's a modern movie. It takes that extra step and actually invites the Gill Man or the monster of the movie into the fold, and it it becomes one of you know it's this you know wonderful band of misfits or whatever that that they've put together and and yeah uh, yeah. So it's I think it's just it's very faithful to the the spirit of those movies. Um, and obviously, I mean, if you know, if you know the first thing about Guillermo del Toro, you know that he's a, you know, giant fan of monster movies, grew up a monster kid, uh, in Mexico and, you know, ingesting as much, uh, of this stuff as he possibly could. Well, and, he, he, um, he words it. He essentially views monsters as patrons, like the monster movie monsters as his patron saints as a relapsed <laughs> Catholic. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I can feel that, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah, why not? I mean, if I had to pick some, I think they'd be up there with me too. So that's, uh... I mean, as we talk currently, all three of us on our, on our, um, Skype call, <laughs> we all have classic monsters as our thing. Joe being Frankenstein, uh, Eric being, uh, Dracula and I actually being the gill man. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> fuck. Well, we and avid- I think especially because those characters were like the first of like horror movies really like popular horror movies and mm-hmm. you know when you look at kind of how that how those characters have transitioned you know that i grew you know, we, a lot of us grew up with a different generation of them that would be like the slashers and stuff like that do i see 30 years from now a romance movie being made about something like jason Voorhees or freddy krueger no no but um probably not not unless it was a really tongue-in-cheek but i don't know i mean <laughs> But then Their sexual again, tension in Jetty Freddy versus Jason was kind of there, so maybe. Oh, there you go. A, a romance <laughs> movie between Jason and Freddy. Yeah, well, that's where it, I'm getting. <laughs> Candyman, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely a romantic element there. Yeah, it's um, well, Phantom of the Opera. But I, yeah, I would say that 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 makes you know, the Candyman a little more of a classical monster than the slashers are. But yeah. mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. with the classical monsters, you like these movies when they were made, and because of like, you know, they're a lot more fr- family friendly, so kids can watch them, and all the kids, and I think us included, we really enjoyed the monsters. So there is a certain point though when you're growing up where you're kind of like, but I really enjoyed this creature, and the movies always ends in their death, or mm-hmm. like something harsh to them. Like you start to gain empathy. Because you um you see them differently, and you know this movie is like 
what if one of us uh, was a famous film director and decided to fucking go forth with that and did so, you know? Like, it is well, kind of exciting I, to see I, the Gill Man get some. Yeah, and I think for <laughs> some of those older ones, like, the empathy towards some of these characters came a little later, you know? Like, yeah. there wasn't any empathy for Dracula. Frankenstein uh, got Dracula is a little different of a character. Yeah. That's why I, I really singled yeah. out, you know, the yeah. the Frankenstein's monster um, and uh, Gilman. But and even werewolf the wolf, is even, a little bit even the Wolfman. Yeah. You know, it's like now he has control over it. Um, you know, he's he's cursed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. to do these horrible things. Um, the mummy is just like, oh, it's a curse. It comes after you. Don't don't piss it off. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah, with with Frankenstein, I feel like the first. Frankenstein, 31, with Karloff, was more yep. of a monster movie. I mean, they, they they do a little bit of showing the sympathy for the monster. They definitely do it a lot more in Bride. Yeah, they do. Bride with, the, is, with the old blind man and the... Oh, yeah. just when he's learning to speak. My God, Bride still, it's crushing in some scenes. Yeah. All these years yeah. later, it is, there are some Effective. scenes that are just... James oh. Whale made some great films, but that's his masterpiece. If like, yeah. Yes. Yeah that one and there are some goofy things in it but you know overall yeah there's yeah. some the, the village lady i could do without but um <laughs> films weren't weren't quite as like strict to, films didn't have to fit into the cookie cutters of genres right. the way they do now i don't think right but. so no i i think uh this one is it's a nice addition to especially other other of del toro's work like his, especially his fairy tale type movies you know, um, I'm thinking like Devil's yeah. Backbone, uh, Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth, Labyrinth, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I could see, I could see how he was a good pick, and I do feel like he was a good pick for the the two Hellboy movies that he did. Oh yeah, because he 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 gave it his spin, and it worked very well. He seems um, to have two modes. He's got this like uh, you know his his kind of monster slash dark fairy tale mode uh, well they're both monster modes so let, let me back that up like the dark fairy tale kind of movie and then he's got his like action monster movie too because i mean he he did a bunch of those you know blade 2 <laughs> the hellboy movies yeah um what was the uh was it mimic did he do was yeah, yeah mimic. The mimic yeah, yeah. And then uh his his monster movie uh the first of uh, chronos with ron perlman early on so oh yeah. that's right yeah. i've forgotten about that one i don't think i ever saw it actually yeah, I just read, just saw it not that long ago. It's it's not bad. It's not probably gonna uh, crack the you know top spot or anything of, in my opinion of his films, but it's it's good. It's worth seeing. Nice, nice. Yep, I think for for this one, I was really impressed. Again, like I said before, with like the effects and the sets and the music, like the whole setting. The characters are interesting. Um, I think the. Uh, the Giles character from Richard Jenkins is, mm-hmm. yeah, you know it's it's he's one of these characters that he he probably could have been cut and they could have worked around it, you know, um, or at least his whole subplot could have been cut. But it's so it's it's well done and it's interesting and you, it really gets you to feel for this guy. Um, you know he's he's clearly so he's it was like an ad an ad guy, mm-hmm. but he's been I, fired for some kind of controversy and it. But we can all guess what it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He couldn't come back to work, so and um, he's kind of living. He's, tra- this, he's trying to work his way back in. Like, yeah, and he's kind of living this depressed lifestyle, back. and you know. Um, well, he's also like older. And he even makes like I either I was born too early or or too late or mm-hmm. whatever it was because he has an older art style. While at this time they're trying to focus more on like photography for like yeah. he himself and like the lack of appreciation for the level of work that he can do. Um, like yeah, there's there's some of that kind of those and, elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do feel like you you could pick this this movie apart and say that some of the subplots and 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 details we get about the side characters are superfluous and could be cut. But I think it's actually one of the strengths of the movie is that all of your characters, this whole group of people, is so well developed. Like they're just really good characters, and you get a little bit of uh, something about all of them. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, even uh, to a lesser extent, Michael Stolberg as uh, Doctor Hofstetler or. 
Dmitry, whatever his Russian uh, yeah. name was, but his, his real name, um, who's a, a Russian mole that's been planted inside of the uh, research facility and is in disguise as this um, uh, American biologist, uh, I think. And um, But yeah, you, you get a little bit of his, he's a little bit less developed than the rest, but even, even he, I think, compared to some movies where he literally it focuses on like the two main characters and everyone else just kind of like is there to move the plot forward I think you really get some well-developed um characters here and i think it works to the movie's credit and so i think yeah it, developing giles even though the whole ad campaign the whole um you know what what's going on in his life is is superfluous to the main plot of this movie i think it just it it's just helps him be that much more of a likable relatable character because i really yeah. want, I, it'd be tough for me to pick a favorite character because i really like a lot of them but but giles is definitely uh a great character he's and just very well played too i mm. will say like i guess in defense of his little scenes it does show that he has like a certain cowardice and it stems not out of nowhere it stems because it i this is my interpretation mind you with the scenes uh with his ad uh, um, with the ad company is that he had a moment of vulnerability and uh, he was rejected and yep. suffered the consequences and it took away his power so when he sees like when he like for example when they show like um, the civil rights movement uh, on TV and people getting hosed people of color being hosed he says turn that awful stuff off I don't want to I don't want to see it. I don't want to deal with it yeah. let's, let's do something different it's, it mm. very much reflects people who are, like, who can't, like, they, there's this trauma there, and they just don't know how to hold the space for others because they feel like, I, because I, I can't do anything, so I'll do nothing. But, you know, it shows later in the movie, like, when he takes a step forward uh, towards uh, this person who works at this diner that he mm. feels like there's an attraction to, but it turns out this person is a bigot in the worst fucking ways. Um, realizes that he like you know he took a step there and it didn't work out and he like it's it's about taking those small steps mm -hmm. like that's what led to him like okay let's help this you know this person that you care about like let's like and that's all you really need to do as a person like if you feel truly powerless in like situations like now you just have to take a small step you know that doesn't work with everything like for for example insurrections for shitty you know false narratives um <laughs> I, I have to put that now i realize nowadays but to help other people legitimately uh then yes you know you know support those who don't have a voice mm. yeah. yeah literally i guess <laughs> this fucking yeah, movie absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like that saying was kind of played up as like a, a sign of the times but still not cool but yeah, yeah. I, I caught that though. That I'll turn that off. I don't want to see that that bad stuff. I was like, huh, that's, I mean, realistic, but yeah. I mean, a lot of people yeah. nowadays too. You know, it's just like they're yeah. so exhausted with the news, and it's 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 a little bit more deeper. It's like, can we trust it? What can we, you know? But it's just like, yeah, but you still shouldn't. You can't deny. Well, because people and are suffering if you deny. Who knows what sort of you know trauma he's carrying? We know there's some in his past for for certain. Yeah. Um That that's you know that that is bringing up for him so and i think yeah. he has to kind of confront that and he finally gets to the point where he's ready to do so and so that there's a lot of growth and like i again it's just a good script i think all these characters have a lot of growth i mean yeah, all, all the way down to octavia spencer's character zelda confronting her husband after a you know raving strickland comes into her house and throws his rotten fingers at them and uh <laughs> uh finally you know confronts her husband about I don't know if going as far as like being, you know, just a, a lay around waste of space kind of thing, but like, you know, um, she said something along the lines of you sat there for 20 years and not said anything and now you decide to, <laughs> uh, right. yeah, turn like, these people in. Like, yeah, so she finally steps up in her, you know, kind of deals with her issues too. So this, the presence of the Gill Man in this movie like positively affects all of these people's lives. It's just this nice little like web of, um, positive influence that uh gets people i don't know to step up and confront their situations yeah. right mm -hmm. like 
like you were like yeah zelda's like the character of zelda um you, she 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 is all about authenticity like right mm. away she's like i can't lie i can't do any of these things <laughs> she, yeah like, she has a tough time doing any of this like duplicitous like stuff that and you know. She has this racist white man saying, like, your name, Delilah, the middle name, Delilah, like, references, like, you know, the betrayal of Samson and shit like that. And, like, you can't be trusted. Like, all these racist things and just, like, you know, Mm -hmm. just keeps moving forward and then, like, gets confronted by a man, rips off his fingers and just, like, no, no, I'm done. You know, like, she showed her bravery, too. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that scene, too, because. No. Fuck all these characters, man. Well, There's the a whole lot movie, in this she's, movie. <laughs> she's talking about her husband and how, like, you know, Brewster he's, expects this from that, and he doesn't like it when the food is prepared this way, and he complains about this and that. And so you well, get the impression, impression that she's, you know, not only is she working a, a night shift at, at cleaning at this facility, but she's kind of going home and dealing with having to wait on Brewster as well. So... Mm-hmm. It's um, kind of to like get a, her to get her to take that step of standing up to him, I think, was a big deal. Like that's it's kind of like an example of another like romance in this movie that is just you know flawed. Like hmm. it's not there's no romance. It's a relationship, but there's no romance. Is what I meant. I should say, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it and it's it's kind of interesting. A lot of. of, of you know Zelda that you see is her talking about this off-camera husband. Yeah. Um, you know, compared to all the other, I mean, we meet Michael Shannon's character's wife in this um, in yeah. an awkward scene, and the kids and everything. It's you know, but very leave it to Beaver like, but, happy, but like, messed up. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that which More was a nice Raper, touch. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, a lot. <laughs> I mean, less blood. With Don Draper usually, but yeah, I suppose uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, I can see how this one got the good reviews. I don't understand the people that have seen it that are so upset. I mean, I, it, you know, different strokes, different folks, and all that. But um, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't understand the hate it got for those that did see it. Because if you didn't see it and you got, hey, well, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But yeah, um, that annoys I me. Still know I still don't. I'm, I'm just. I still don't get how this won best picture. Um, I this I just <laughs> this like every it. time is is the kind of movie that I always say this something like this deserves to win best picture, but it'll never happen. And the fact that it like actually did. Kind of still blows my mind, but I'm I'm happy about it. Like, cool. I'm yeah. glad that happened one year. I'm not sure we're gonna see that all the time, but you know, it's good. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a genre movie that deals with a lot of a lot of stuff, but at the same time, I feel like genre movies often deal with a lot of major issues and they're still ignored. So, it's. Uh... I mean, it the considering the movies that it was up against. Um, you know, it was up against Lady Bird. Uh, mm-hmm. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Get Out. And so, oh, right, there yeah. that your two genre pictures were nominated, and I would have I would have been overjoyed if either of them would have pulled it off because sure. I would Get Out too. So yeah, and I don't know. It's like both of those. I don't know. Maybe I've just come to associate Academy Awards with being just so snooty anyway. That like if something <laughs> wins Best I mean, Picture, yeah. I'm like, oh, it must be some pretentious fucking movie. Um, you know, like I think I think when uh, Green Book won, I was like, "Give mm. me a goddamn break!" Um, yeah, that was a weird win. Green Book was fine, but that's all it was. It wasn't like, anything it was, new. It, yeah, it, it was it was driving Miss Daisy all over again. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. So it. But I now it's Strider. <laughs> I just saw yeah. Aragorn. I still don't get it. It's it's great. Yeah, and I, I have nothing really, really against this movie. I just like, wow, that was so. That was the best that uh, 2017 had to offer. Interesting. Okay. Like, uh, I mean, living through... in 2017. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised this came out at all. <laughs> well, there's that. There is that. But oh. uh, well, do we do we want to move into uh, final thoughts and grades? I think sure. I think, yeah. yeah, I think I pretty much checked all of my notes off here so yeah i think we're 
Okay. I'm good. Cool. What do you think, Ryan? Oh, oh, fucking A. Okay, no, I'm good. Um, I really like this movie a lot. Uh, I was really looking forward to this movie. Um, um, I did not get to see it in theaters. Uh, and I kind of wish I got the chance to. It's not that I never wanted to. It just, I was just, you know, time in my life where I fucking couldn't. <laughs> and then, you know, when I got all the time, then a pandemic happened. And then once again... But anyways, uh, <laughs> no, this this was great to watch. Um, it was such a beautiful film. Uh, I would I I would definitely watch this again, uh, and I definitely suggest people to watch this. And it is it is definitely more layered to me. Definitely is in this uh, final review. Um, it's more layered uh, than what people give it credit for. It it's like it, is it is it you know. Um, is it straightforward with that message? Yes, but like I said earlier, like there is no problem with that. There is no problem with a movie that is just so f- straightforward. If you're creating a thing and you're worried about the criticism of, well, you know, it just seemed like obvious. And like, yeah, that's fine. Not everything needs to be like whatever the fuck Nolan is making where people are like, I don't know, it was kind of too convoluted. You know, like people are never fucking happy with anything. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm with Joe. I don't really get why people, uh, disliked this movie or didn't want to give it much of a chance. Uh, but against Joe, I am proud. I I do understand why I got best picture. I think it is surprising. I'm with Eric. I'm happy that it did. I did not see that coming. I agree full heartedly. And I, I fucking, this movie gets an A plus for me. Like, I don't have any problem with this movie. I'm not saying it doesn't, the problems don't exist. It's just, I really don't have any problem with it at all. Uh, just thoroughly enjoyed the whole fucking experience. Every, every bit of it. What do you think, Joe? Um, I, I really did enjoy this one too. Um, it's, it's very bold. Uh, it takes a rather disarming, I think for most audience members, it takes kind of a disarming, um, setting you know it, it is that kind of leave it to beaver or trying to uh you know but it's showing the dark sides of it and it i i thought that the overarching themes of sexuality and and how it's so complex sexuality is complex um like a pretzel yeah i mean <laughs> in every character here you get that relationships and, and sex are very complicated and, and of course, this culminates obviously with the, the the big scene, right? The big love scene with the the Gill man and and her. Um, I get some. It's. I don't think. I think the the people that that really really hate it. I just think that this was maybe uh, too much to to bite off, and chew. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to your your romance stories, this is because it's unescapable. Like you feel for these characters. Yeah, I think the um, uh, Eliza and, and and Giles at the beginning when they're sitting on the couch and they're watching like Shirley Temple and stuff and they're doing their little tap dance thing, they're a very cute friend couple. You care about these characters right away. Um, the the Gill creature really grows on you as this beautiful. I mean the 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 iridescence and stuff. The bioluminescence oh, yeah. portion is just <laughs> incredible. Oh, um, yeah. You know these are really really beautiful characters even octavia spencer and this is just so lovable you know <laughs> yes um she's great yeah it's one of my favorites yeah movies. she's really really lovable in this that when you when you like these characters but then you have to kind of see what they're dealing with it was a little i think it might have been much for some people i mean think about it in most romantic comedies or romance movies you can hate the characters in fact i personally do most of them like most romance <laughs> movies, because it's so. We'll I don't think you're next alone. Get to, I'm yeah, with you. Be, yeah. Because they ju- it's like this is always such a trite romance. This actually shows what what it's like falling in love with something that's un- you know with with what you don't expect, and I think that yeah. creeps people out. Because no, I want it to be like in the movie that I I saw that I was like yes, that's what everybody tells me it, it should be like. Um, you know, think about every romantic comedy from the nineties. It uh, sounds like you're kind of presenting like, you know, people who 
love the mold more than they do, you know, than what comes out. That's a good way of putting it. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think that is that's a good way of, of wording it. They like the, the shape of what they think it's going to be, and it's usually pretty cookie cutter. But in this, and they like that predictable experience. Yeah. Well, in this one, the rigidity you have, of an object. Yeah. Yeah, and regardless if it's believable right yeah. because that's that's the narrative they're trying to sell well in this case you have a romance story that is more they actually pe more people can relate to this than they want to admit i think is what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. so um lost so stricklands I, out there there are and but but <laughs> breaking at the same their fingers time, michael shannon is so good in this as a villain he is just oh yeah oozes it's god damn it literally <laughs> does he oozes on the screen uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna actually go and give this one a, a solid a um it's a really a, a beautiful film you you've gotta you know remove the stick from your ass before you sit down and watch this one you gotta you gotta be loose with it it wants you to be loose and it's it's gonna it's gonna do it from the very beginning so like from the the opening of this film you're you're kind of like okay dis disrobe yeah. discomfort and you'll be fine so yeah 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 and i'm gonna echo pretty much all of that and this I, this is a a movie that I, upon my first watch i absolutely loved i thought it lived up to the hype if not like kind of even because of the fact that it, it had been nominated for best picture i think i saw it before it won but it even kind of subverted my expectations based upon that nomination. Like it was even more like I was afraid it was going to be a little outside of like my, not my comfort zone, but like my taste um, in, in movies. Like, I, cause I knew it was kind of a monster movie, but I'm like, wow, if they're nominating it for an Oscar, it's really got to be out there. And like, and, and actually once I saw it, I was like, no, it hit all the notes perfectly. Like it's, they're just nominating something like, you know, they're, they're actually seeing, seeing the value of this story and um, the way that, genre pictures monsters sci-fi elements can be used to address real world you know basically what we've all been saying about sci-fi and genre stuff since the beginning of of the genres you know <laughs> um but yeah so and i i think i enjoyed it even more the second time i just got more out of the the kind of the fairy tale atmosphere of it just from the first frame of the dream sequence that it opens on it just kind of sets this tone and the, the whole movie exists inside of this like kind of juxtaposition of, of this like, you know, underwater fairy tale uh, and the Cold War 1950s. And it just kind of bounces back and forth in that. Um, and just the fact that it's got so many uh, well-developed characters, such great performances. Um, like Ryan pointed out, it's, it's beautiful to look at. It's just, it's, it's a pitch perfect film that I couldn't recommend more to people because it just hits on every note. And it's pretty rare that we get those. So I absolutely, absolutely agree that this should have been a Best Picture winner because of that fact. Like, it just, there's not something in this movie. There may be something in this movie that doesn't, like, quite, if I had to pick out the one thing is the uh, the Dimitri plot, the the Russian um, mole. I didn't really think it was, it could have been maybe been a little bit more developed. I didn't like that he ended up giving them up at the end. He seemed like such a, a decent right. dude. Um, I think you just want to, anyway, like, that, twist the knife. That... I like yeah, that is like me forcing myself to make a nitpick because it doesn't really wreck anything for me. Right. Like, um, but yeah, no, I think it's a it's a fantastic movie that is is certainly deserving of its accolades. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's Guillermo del Toro in in near, in near perfect form, I think. And uh, I I pretty much would recommend this to anybody who enjoyed any of his other films of the style, so Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone, etc. It has very few weaknesses. I think this one for me is an A+. I don't think you get a whole lot better. This is one of those movies that I absolutely feel like deserve to be a best picture. I never in my wildest dreams thought it would win it, but I'm happy it did. So. <laughs> Triple A threat all around. Yeah. yeah. It's. I think it's that good. I think it deserves it. And, of course, we would love to know what any of our listeners think of Shape uh, of Water. Um, are you one of the people that love this one, or are you on the other end of the spectrum? Uh, be, please feel free to share any of those uh, questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms with the Video Junk Air podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod, or find us on Facebook, the main Video Junk Air podcast page, or the Video Junk Air podcast group. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you.
And if you like what you heard, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash videojunkyardpodcast. Uh, we have a couple of different tiers of membership if you give a small donation. Uh, get a lot of great stuff in return. Um, every Everything we collect out of the Patreon page does go straight back into the podcast to help us cover hosting costs and etc. And when I say hosting costs, I don't mean like paying ourselves to host the show. I mean like hosting on the internet. So, um, yeah, everything goes back, right back into the show. And... Um, yeah, I hope you'll come back and join us. We've got some great stuff coming up. Our uh, Next week, as we mentioned at the top of the show, and then didn't lead into any of the comparisons yet, but we will, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to do another fish romance film, and uh, that is 1984's Splash, starring Tom Hanks, John Candy, and Daryl Hannah. Uh, I think a lot of people will be familiar with that one. It was quite a popular film when it came out. Um, next week we're heading uh, down under. We're going to check out a couple of Australian <laughs> films, and uh, the uh, one being an Australian zombie movie called Undead, and the other being the Dennis Hopper vehicle Mad Dog Morgan. Mm-hmm. And uh, those don't have a whole lot to do with one another, besides that they're Australian. But let's see if we can draw a few more links as we get we'll get creative as we watch those coming up. So lots of other great stuff. I hope you'll come back and join us on the Video Junk Card Podcast. I'm going to thank you once again for listening. Um, and if you've enjoyed it, please feel free to share around. And until next time, this is the Video Junkyard Podcast, and I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Miracle Branson. And I'm Ryan Seiskel. Oh, no, no. A man washes his hands before or after tending to his needs. It tells you a lot about a man. He does it both times. Points to a weakness in character. <laughs> You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>